All right, who's excited to be here tonight? Yes. I'm having nightmares. There's a card here that says organic produce, gluten-free foods. Oh, is that yours? I thought Glennis the hippie was like trying to give me another hint. Hey, tonight, I want to talk about when it is time for a reset. Does anyone have any idea what I'm talking about? How many times have you struggled with technology? And it's amazing. One of my friends, Will Gunn, used to be an IT support guy, like the guy that you ring when your computer is simply not behaving. And he told me that 90% of all computer faults can be fixed by rebooting the computer. And I said, did you get a 90% pay cut then? <laughs> Doesn't work that way, does it? But tonight, our key verse is 1 John 1 9, which I'm going to come to a little bit later on. But I want to say that the need for a reboot sneaks up on you. And we're talking about people now. Do you know what it's like? Because I want to tell you, by the time you need to reboot your computer, it really needs it. Because a computer, the way it works, is that it's got all sorts of things kept in suspension as you're going. And it gets more and more in what's called the cache, and it builds up and it builds up, and then you need to refresh that computer. When I look at the parallels between rebooting a computer and asking God for a reboot and a reset in our life, it's something very significant. A couple of weeks ago, I noticed that our car air conditioning was barely even cool, let alone cold. And I'm thinking, oh, what is going on here? This is going to be another expensive you know, new compressor or, you know, at the, at the least, regas the system or whatever. So I took it to my mechanic. And within about two seconds, he said to me, he put his hand in front of the vent and he went, I know what's wrong, you need a new cabin filter. And I'm thinking, say what? What on earth is a cabin filter? And so he started to pull the dash out and he pulled out and, and we've got a picture to show you here. Is it up? Eventually, that is my cabin filter out of the inside of my car, behind the glove box. I didn't even know it was there. I'm a motorcycle mechanic by trade. You don't have cabin air filters in motorcycles. But that was absolutely chockers to the point where, even with the aircon flat out, there's hardly anything coming out. Why? Because so much pollen and dirt and dust and rubbish had filled up over a period of time that it needed to be refreshed. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You can kill that photo now. We don't need to embarrass ourselves anymore. <laughs> I want to let you in on a little secret. The life of being a Christ follower can be extremely tiring. You know what I'm saying? That, that 
that picture we just saw, that was a very tired cabin air filter. And for us as Christians, we can get tired of continually giving out and caring for others and, and helping to shape and train the lives of people that we are put there to care for. And we need to continually, daily refresh ourselves because if we don't, we will not have the capacity to keep on being a blessing to other people. Consider this, Galatians 6 verse 9. It says, and let us not, we got it up there guys, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So even the Bible's telling us, let us not grow weary. How do you not grow weary is that you rest and you learn to pace yourself and the rhythm of life and say, God, every day I need to be refreshed. Or if I don't, I am going to grow weary and I will be like the cabin filter. And I'll be good for nothing. I will block the cool wind of the Holy Spirit in my life. How do we not grow weary? We do that by refreshing ourselves, listen to this, on purpose. Let me say it again. We do this by refreshing ourselves on purpose. Not like, you know, we might refresh ourselves. No, 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 no. You must purpose to refresh yourself. Otherwise, you will have no freshness to be a sweet spirit to others. Secondly tonight, don't procrastinate. Hit the button. Reset. Oh, what a great... Cassie, where's Cassie? What? Cassie did a, some very good graphic there. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we know when we're getting weary, don't we? And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Most of us do, don't we? And the signs of us getting weary are so obvious that, but you know what we do? We're stupid. Human beings are stupid. What we do is we ignore the signs, don't we? Which is about as smart as ignoring chest pain and putting it down to heartburn. Every paramedic will tell you, and every doctor will tell you, go to the hospital and get tested. Even if you think it's heartburn, it's better to find out it is heartburn than a heart attack that was just about waiting to happen and you thought it wasn't serious. Why? Because you ignored the signs. And every day, God is giving us signs and prompting us to hit that reset button. Paying attention to the warning signs can stop our lives becoming a train wreck. Have you ever noticed that? Why is it that some people continually go from bad decision to bad decision to bad decision? And we're all wondering, why? You know why? 
because you're not reading the signs. If you ignore the signs, your judgment will become impaired. The air filter won't let the air through. The decision-making will become skewed and crazy. When we sense ourselves getting weary, we see all sorts of signs, don't we? And the number one, and this is a real buzzword in the world, never mind in the church, is what's called compassion fatigue. And everyone accepts that. Janine is an expert on compassion fatigue. <laughs> She's written a paper on it, haven't you? <laughs> but compassion fatigue, as the name would suggest, is simply getting tired and overtired from doing good. How do you fix compassion fatigue? By taking some time out, by resetting and saying, you know, I'm good for no one if I don't concentrate on refreshing myself. We know the signs, don't we? We sense ourselves getting weary. I don't know about you, but when I need refreshing, I start getting cranky with silly little things. I start getting abnormally stressed out and cranky and annoyed with people who I shouldn't be annoyed with. And that's just the dog <laughs> who chews things up all the time. In all seriousness, though, when we see ourselves starting to lack patience with others, that is a dead giveaway that we need a spiritual reset. Those silly things, those people, those situations that become an annoyance, listen to this really carefully, used to be an opportunity. Let me say it again. The things that bug the life out of us and drive us nuts and annoy the heck out of us used to be a wonderful opportunity. An opportunity for God's grace and the sweetness of the Holy Spirit to prevail in what's happening in that situation. But when the filter is clogged, there's no room, there's no coolness, and there's no cool-headedness. You know, we can easily get sucked into thinking that this is just a physical thing. Now, with a car, it's easy. You pull the filter out and you put a clean filter in and then all of a sudden we're driving around in a fridge. Hey! <laughs> 35 bucks and the car is beautiful. If only it were that easy, spiritually. Wouldn't that be great? Been fixed. It just doesn't work like that. We can easily get sucked into thinking that it's simply a physical issue that can be fixed by better planning. I know, maybe if I take more days off. I know, maybe if I get up at 4.30 or quarter to five like these two crazy women do and do yoga and swimming and run, around, run to Gimpy and back. Like, they're nuts, these girls. But it... You're not going to fix the thing through mere physical planning. Yeah. Why? We all know that a day at the beach, just ask these two teenagers here, a day at the beach or a timely coffee can really, really help 
when we're not feeling that flash. But it is no substitute when we don't recognise it, that this is actually a spiritual problem. Not just a physical problem, not just an attitude problem. This is something that needs a heart transplant. This is a heart attack waiting to happen spiritually. And we need to deal with it. We need to recognise where it's coming from. And we need to really push back and say, God, I need your spirit. And there's some great news coming up in my final point. The evil one will use all of those things. He will use any trick in the book. I was up late last night doing this thinking, what does he do? What is it that Satan does? And I came up with the fact that Satan firstly distracts us. Now, if you're like me, I have the attention span of a gnat. I don't need a whole lot of distracting. Is it a pastor thing, Graham? I don't know. <laughs> My kids call it baby rabbit syndrome. Because when we were in England, we're driving along and I was talking about the wonders of GPS and navigation and how we could land at Manchester Airport, hire a car, put in our destination and drive there and it tells us everything. In the middle of all of that at the lights, I saw a sign that said baby rabbits. So in the middle of this discourse on GPS navigation, I went, oh, baby rabbits! And all the kids howled with laughing. They've still never let me forget it because that is how easily I am distracted. Anyone else? Put up your hand if you're easily distracted. Okay, come on, you bunch of liars. Put your... <laughs> all right. Firstly, Satan distracts us. So he just gets us to not, not major sin, but just go off on a tangent here, there, and everywhere. The th second thing he does is he disrupts our world. So he distracts us, and then when he's got us distracted, he it's like you're looking over there and he's over here, disrupting everything in your world. And then thirdly, he seeks to actively discourage you. And I want to say that if you don't think distraction, disruption and discouragement are a spiritual issue, you need to honestly think it through again. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8 says it this way. I think we've got the verse up. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We've got a picture that's about to come up called Sleeping Sentry. So God tells us that we should guard our heart. So here's a sentry who is armed who has protection, on his head at least. He has a dog there because he figures, well, that'll be good, the dog will bark. We have a dog or two that bark when you don't want them to bark. And then when you do want them to bark, they're sitting there going. But that's a very famous painting called The, the Silent Sentry. 
or the sleeping century. So here's the message. You cannot afford to be a sleeping sentry in God's army. Here it is. Refresh, refresh, and refresh. Final point tonight is that we need to continue to refresh. You see, what happens is when we accept Jesus as our saviour, when we recognise our need for forgiveness, our need for salvation through what Jesus did on the cross, and we come to God in repentance and we say, Father, forgive me on the basis of what Jesus has done because nothing that I do is going to make a fig of difference. At that moment, the Holy Spirit transforms our hearts and mind. But I have seen so many times when people make that commitment to Jesus and then they park it up and they put a, you know, locks on the wheels and go nowhere and don't do anything. So we need a continual refresh. One of my favourite verses is 1 John 1.9 and it says this, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and the uppercase is mine and to cleanse us from all wickedness. When the new air filter goes in, it's cleansed. It's not full of dirt anymore. It's, it's, it's clean and the air can pass through and that is like us. When we seek the forgiveness of God, when we repent, and that is a daily thing. The, the, the Greek there is present continuous tense. So in other words, what it's saying is on an ongoing basis, we confess our sins, not just once, but every day. We come to God and we say, God, Man, I've messed up again. And you know, it doesn't even need to be what others might consider major sin. Can be a stinking attitude. Can be doing something in defiance of someone that we know we shouldn't be defying. And that's what happens. Satan distracts, then he disrupts, and then he discourages and tries to get you to give up. Final strategy that I want to share with you tonight is the concept of culling the rubbish. <laughs> Does anyone have... Our house, we have a trailer. And it's not a small trailer, it's a big trailer. And I don't know how many times we seem to take that darn thing full of rubbish to the dump. Anyone else can wait? Anyone else got an amen to that? I'm always... Filling the trailer, it's like a huge, um, it's like an extension of our rubbish bins. And you think, where does all this stuff come from? Mainly it comes from my kids, I think, too. Because what they do is they just, someone gives them something and they go, oh, we'll stick it in the shed. And until um, Craig and Ben the other day um, cleaned the shed up, you could barely walk through, and I have a decent-sized shed, because there's rubbish that needs to be culled. And if it isn't cold, it builds up, builds up, builds up, and you can't even walk through anymore. 
See that same analogy with the air filter. Cull the rubbish out of your life. All it does is clog up your heart and mind till you are so weary you will no longer hear that still small voice of the Holy Spirit prompting you. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life, life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Now, I love this because everyone uses this and uses the, the running analogy. It's almost like this is the verse for track and field. But see what it says after that. Strip off every weight that slows us down, especially. Now, when you see especially in a verse, you better be especially careful of what it means. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Isn't that what we've been saying tonight? Sin trips us up. We need a reset. God is longing to give us that fresh reset every day. Here's a couple of tips. Learn to say no. So easy to get so busy doing everything that everyone else thinks you should be doing. And unless you start saying no, you can be in trouble. Secondly, don't let the good get in the way of the best. We can be doing good stuff all the time. Oh, that's good. Yeah, brother's doing this and, you know, sister's doing that. That's good. But is it the best that you can be doing? And keep making the main thing the main thing. Couldn't say it too loudly. Keep making the main thing the main thing. My mate Ian Jones is a cartoonist, and we've got something, a picture coming up here in a moment. He's a cartoonist whose job for decades was to draw a new Pearly Gates cartoon. Have we got it there, boys? Remember Pearly Gates? Ian Jones, my mate, who's a Baptist pastor, is the cartoonist that he did that strip. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had to think of something funny... <laughs> and draw a cartoon about it, and something that's half clever every day, that would stress me out. That would be really hard work. Another cartoonist that I read about is a guy called Doug Marlett. And what he said, I think, is the way that I want to wind up tonight. He said this. He didn't consider it pressure to do that cartoon every day. He enjoyed it. He said... I have learned to love a blank sheet of paper. It braces me with its endless potential. Every morning, you are given a blank sheet of paper. The new day that lies before you, you can fill the page with whatever you want. God gives you the free will to do that. You can fill it with holiness. You can fill it with love. You can fill it with praise. You can fill it with service. Equally, you can fill your day with selfishness, with hostility, and with criticism constantly 
of other people. The scary bit, it's your choice. You are not limited by what you put on the page yesterday. Why do I love God? There it is, right there. You could have had the worst page known in the history of man yesterday. But every day you come to God in prayer, 1 John, 1 9, here's your fresh page. Filled with opportunity. If you, if you blow it, don't worry about it. Even if you blow it 10,000 days before, God is longing for you to press the reset button. To fill today's page with the presence of God in your life. Here's the last verse, and we're going to pray after this. Have we got it there, boys? Hebrews. No, Lamentations. Not there? All right, I'll read it out to you. Lamentations 3.23. Kill that one so it doesn't distract. Lamentations 3.23 says this. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What a God we serve. Let's pray. Father, tonight I just pray for each one here. Lord, that you will help us to be quick to hit the reset button, to recognise the signs, to keep very short accounts with your Holy Spirit. Lord, let us not get into the habit of weeks and months of, of fiddling around and not doing what we should do. Lord, tonight, we come to you as a body of believers. Father, I want to invite everyone in this place tonight to pray with me, to say, God, my life has been some relentless muck. Father, tonight I ask you to forgive my sin, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And Father, I thank you for the blank page that is tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen.